Hello, and welcome to Occupied Thoughts, a podcast brought to you by the Foundation for Middle East Peace. I am Sarah Ann Minkin, Director of Programs and Partnerships at the Foundation. Today is November 4th, 2021, and I am delighted to be here with journalist Oren Ziv, who writes and shoots photos for the Hebrew news site Local Call and its English sister site, 972 Magazine, both of which the Foundation for Middle East Peace is proud to partner with and to support with funding. Together with journalists Yuval Avraham and Maron Rappaport, Oren authored a major expose that came out today. The article, published on 972 and The Intercept, is entitled, Secret Israeli Dossier Provides No Proof for Declaring Palestinian NGOs Terrorists. We'll put a link to it on the landing page for this podcast. This expose, which we're going to discuss with Oren, is a next step in a developing story. And by way of background for listeners who are just tuning in, about two weeks ago, the Israeli government declared six Palestinian human rights groups to be terror organizations. This designation effectively outlaws these groups, it criminalizes their work under Israeli law, it enables Israel to seize their assets, to prohibit funding, to punish public expressions of support and solidarity with them. With the terror designation, the Israeli government has escalated its longtime efforts to crush the Palestinian organizations that document Israel's ongoing violations of Palestinian human rights and seek to hold Israel accountable. Foundation for Middle East Peace has been covering this issue extensively in our podcasts and webinars. I highly recommend going to our website to see our full coverage. Today we have Oren Ziv with us. Oren, your article today changes things. The Israeli government has been saying that it has rock solid, hard evidence that these organizations are either terror fronts or funneling funds to a terror organization. You discovered evidence to the contrary. Can you tell us what you found out? Uh, yes. First, thank you for having me here. I'm very glad to, to be here. Uh, so what we found during this investigative piece is that half a year before this declaration regarding the six groups, Israel had an attempt to convince the states, the European states to donate to these NGOs and groups. They had an attempt to convince them to stop their funding and maybe even to have some statement about it. This, of course, could allow Israel to have a major diplomatic achievement in the the struggle against Palestinian organizations, especially ones who struggle daily the occupation and expose the things, the human rights violation in the West Bank and the Gaza Strip. So in May, they formed a, they formed a document that in a bit will clarify more about it and present it to the EU and to a few European states. This document, we have to say, didn't convince them to stop their funding. They, a number of sources told us this was a very weak and vague document showing no real evidence to any connection of the six organizations to violent or militant activity or even to the PLFP, which is a political party, but as well has a military and armed wing. And the, the, the countries, the, the donors continue the work with the NGOs. And what we estimate is that through this process, Israel saw this is not working and decided to go to the normal or usual path and just declaring these organizations as so-called terror groups. Hopefully, 
getting the countries and the international community to stop working with them. So Israel prepared a case to convince the European countries to stop funding these six NGOs half a year ago because they said the NGOs were connected to the PFLP and that didn't work. So this is their next step, you're saying, to go yes. to declare the, the organizations, terror organizations directly. Okay. Now, two weeks ago, we had the declaration and we had anonymous sources talking in Israel in international media or being quoted that is, as you said, rock solid evidence and that these six groups have direct link to terror, or even to militant activity. And since then, Israel didn't present any evidence, not internationally, not in the media, and not even in meeting with diplomats, as we understand. And from our report uh, from this week, from, from our research, we discovered that the delegation of the Israeli security services of the Shin Bet that went to Washington to meet with uh, members of Congress and the State Department, from what we understand, at least in the meeting with Congress member, they showed the exact document they showed half a year ago, meaning they don't, they didn't present any new uh, evidence regarding the case. Now, let's go back a minute to the document, which is secret and was not exposed to the public till now. So we managed to get from a few sources their document, verify that this is the document that was shown to the European half a year ago and as well to some of the Congress members. And in the document, it's mainly focused about a seventh organization, uh, the Health Work Committees, another Palestinian left-wing organization that was already outlawed a year ago in relationship that some of its members are arrested in suspicion of involvement in an attack in 2019, which uh, Rina Shenrab was murdered in the West Bank. This is another investigation. And they were outlawed a year ago. And during the investigation against this organization, the Israeli authorities said that after they took care of the military wing of the PLFP, they're going to go after the money. And they got to this organization, arrested two of uh, its former accountants that were uh, arrested a few months ago. And in their interrogation, or at least in the documents we have, they're talking about misusing funds and um, uh, faking invoices and other methods generally to cover debts of the organization. To cover debts. Wait, so I, I want to, I want to, I want to clar clarify and make sure I've got it in two, two ways. So you have looked at the actual dossier that yes. Israel gave to, to the EU and also to some members of Congress. And that, that dossier is not focused on the six organizations that Israel just declared to be terror organizations, but instead is focused on a seventh organization, the health work committees which itself was outlawed a year ago after involvement in a, in a terror attack. Yeah, some individual from the organization are accused, not yet convicted in that. So not even convicted, yeah. just accused. Okay. I, I will say in general, in the document, after going through the document and also on the investigation material that the document was based on, so also the raw material that the document was formed from, we can say that Israel doesn't have any real or material evidence 
connecting the Sikh organization to any terror activity, to any violent activity. And the only connection, even political affiliation to the PLSP, which is a political party that, like all political parties, is that outlawed by Israel, is hearsay quotes from two workers that didn't even work in the six organizations. Right. So Israel doesn't have any worker or source in the six organization saying whatsoever. They have two accountants and a few more other workers from the health work committee saying things about fraud and misusing funds in the organization. Right. Again, no evidence this money went out to any kind of use, no evidence, no clear evidence that this money was used to terror and not just to cover cover debts or for personal corruption. Mm -hmm. And in addition, all the things that they have about affiliation of the sixth organization to the PLSP is hearsay things. It's well known. It's uh, obvious. We all know it's a, it's a public thing. And in addition, we have to say some of the sixth organization have uh, joint projects with the seventh organization, the Health Work Committee. These projects are public to donors and in the internet. This is mostly youth projects, health projects, educational projects. The only, and of course, in the dossier, they cut these parts off. So they talk about PLSP activity, but they cut because we have the raw material from the interrogations and the investigations. We can say that many times they kind of edit the dossier in a way that a person would speak, a former worker would speak about some PLSP activity, but then they would cut off the say the activity was Debka dancing classes or youth activity or summer camps, which if you go really far with this theory, were political affiliated with ideas of the PLSP. And we have source in a European country saying political affiliation by ideas or opinions is not something that is prohibited by the standards of the EU for funding. So just maybe to, to make it clearer, it, it's a very complicated story with a lot of documents and a lot of misuse of language and terminology. So Israel is taking the seven organization that maybe there is some corruption or misuse of funds inside the organization and taking this and mixing it with the fact that they claim that the organization, all the organization, the seventh organization, but also the other six, have some political affiliation with the PLFP, ideological or some workers or workers in the past are affiliated with the PLFP, but they don't have any solid or material evidence about the six organizations, like the joint projects, as I said, is something that is published on the internet, published to donors, uh, and so on. So, but by doing this, by doing this kind of uh, editing and putting together two different things, they try to present it as if there is a connection to terror. But again, and this is something we stand behind, they don't have any evidence of the six organizations connected to any terror or militant or even violent activity. And all the things they have is hearsay from workers who didn't even work in their organizations. And the workers 
don't even say I was in the meeting with the sixth organization and I heard one, two, three, or I saw some uh, illegal activity in the sixth organization. They just say it's well known, it's obvious that, that the organizations are affiliated with the PLFP. Excellent. Thank you for all of that. I have so many questions for you, but my, my first is you've now referred a couple of times to the difference between the dossier and the material that the dossier was is based upon, the records of, of interrogations and investigations. So tell us everything that you had access to, that you that your article is based on on what material? So we had the dossier, the dossier, and we could say that it's 74 pages, but most of it is dedicated to the corruption and invoices inside the seventh organization. That this might be an uh, interesting case that uh, NGO is misusing funds or not reporting. Uh, I think personally, it's the business of the, the states who donate to this organization or maybe to the Palestinian Authority or internal West Bank issue. It's for sure not an issue to Israel with deal to deal with. And I, I could say that around 30% of this document is just about that. And the rest is quotes from the interrogations. Uh, we got hold of the interrogation themselves. I have to say that those people, those two former accountants that were, I didn't mention it before, they were fired back in 2019 because of suspicions for misusing funds or corruption. They were fired from this seventh health work committee organization. Um, but from what we understand, the, the main issue is that they're taking the, that in the document, it's mostly about the seventh organization. Now, in addition, they're taking quotes from the interrogation and at least in a few cases, not only one or two, they edit the quotes in a way that it seems that the people are talking about some secret or illegal activity or even militant activity. While people are talking, as I said, about youth activities, dancing classes and so on. And many times also they edit out a part of the interrogation where people say, I heard this and this, but I don't really know. I don't know how the funds are moved from here to there. So they're saying some general assumption, but when they're asked about a particular, particular how it's happening on the ground, they say, I don't know, I just heard so. And it's important to say that both workers were interrogated for dozens of days in harsh conditions. We have one lawyer saying, that they were prevented sleep in one month. They were interrogated more than once a day, sometimes 22 hours a day. Uh, the lawyer claims that one of them, uh, they were threatening to arrest his family. And in our article, we have a lawyer expert in uh, torture saying that these things could, could be considered as illegal torture during interrogation. So we have to consider to consider and take in mind that also uh, the raw material we have from the interrogation was at the very least taken under pressure. And of course, some of the material, it's not direct quotes, but it's what the interrogator is writing after talking to the person. So 
it's sometimes hard to know what's a direct quote and what more impression of the interrogator. Great, thank you. So what you're describing is two people who were arrested for financial crimes, who were interrogated under extremely harsh conditions, who offered no direct evidence about the six organizations that are now under, under uh, attack by, by the um, Israeli government and rather offered really generalized ideas about them. Okay, great, thank you. So can you talk to us about the process of getting the documents and writing the report? How did this happen? Uh, yes, so we've been dealing with this issue of the crackdown against the Palestinian civil society back from 2019, after this attack that took place in the West Bank of the murder of uh, Israeli youth, Rina Shenrab, uh, there's been a whole arrest campaign against the PLFP in the West Bank. First of all, against people that were claimed that had a direct involvement in the attack. This is un still ongoing trial. Later on, uh, people that are claimed that to be the kind of military infrastructure. Uh, but in addition, almost 50 arrests of students, political activists, parliament members like Khalid al-Jarrar, people that, as I said, are political affiliated with the Palestinian left or even with the uh, political wing of the PLFP. And through this investigation, Israel got to the NGOs. As I said, from the agriculture committees, there are two people currently arrested. And from the health work committee, there's one person. And after, and as we understand from the, the documents we have, after they finish with the, the people who were involved in the attack, they're trying to go after the money. And this is how they went to the NGOs. Um, and so we worked on it back then. Also when Khalid al-Jarrar was arrested, uh, there was a big media campaign in Israel of right-wing media and mainstream media saying uh, the politician who became a terrorist and accused that she was responsible for the attack. In the end, even the military prosecution didn't claim she had in, any knowledge or involvement in that. And she was put yet again in prison uh, for the fourth or fifth time for just having, uh, being a senior leader in the PLF PLFP. That's all that they could find. She served almost two years in prison and recently released. Uh, but we've been following these cases and also like the crackdown on, on political activity in the excuse of militant activity without showing any real connection between the two. And when the story broke out uh, two weeks ago, first of all, we felt that in Israeli media, like many times they're just doing copy paste from the announcements of the Ministry of Defense. Unfortunately, many Israeli journalists didn't even approach to the NGOs, didn't even quote their public uh, press release or comments or responses. Many of the Israeli journalists were even ones who deal with the West Bank regularly were really ignorant about this NGOs, and we can talk about it later, but many people don't even understand how important and important, how important these NGOs are internationally and locally. And first of all, Yuval Avraham from our team published interview with five of the six organizations just saying what they have to say, like 
you're talking about these six terror groups, listen to what they're doing. I think many people in Israel don't know what DCIP are doing, documenting child abuse or El Chak that do legal work or Adamir that represent prisoner and so on, so, so on. So the first thing for us was just to publish to the Israeli public, but also to the English reading public, what are these NGOs? Who, who are they? Who are the people? What are they they're doing? And what are, is, is the response to a very severe accusation? Later on, we also covered solidarity visits to these organizations and we continued. And then when we, we found out about this uh, document that was uh, used, uh, we managed from a few sources uh, to get it and to get additional information. And we did uh, very in-depth work of a few people, a few reporters and editors to really go through it, to read it, to compare the raw materials from the investigation to the, the official document, to find where things were cut out, as I said, to find where claims, to, to look at the things that were presented to European and American officials and to, to really look into it. And we also talked to a few European states that, of course, took it very seriously back in May and opened an independent investigation and found nothing. We have people on record and off record in our article saying it, that they didn't find anything. That, as I said, this document was very weak and vague and offered third-hand uh, knowledge about things um, and so on. And it took us time, of course, to, to work on it. And, and we managed yesterday uh, to publish them. And, and I, I think it has also kind of a general, uh, even wider purpose, because many times the discourse around Palestinians, both an individual that is in administrative detention or NGO, it's always, Israel said, there's a secret file, there's a secret and classified information. And in this case, at least, we can say we went through it. We bring white quotes from the document. Today, we even published some screen, screenshots from the documents. And we can say, yes, it's classified information, but there's nothing there. And, and as our sources say, when the Israeli security services go to the US and meet with Congress people, Congress members, it already impresses them that somebody so senior comes and meet them and then show them a bunch of invoices and quotes, half-edited quotes, of course, it makes a lot of impression. Um, and, and it was important for us to, to publish it so people can see and also judge by themselves if they believe to this kind of so-called evidence. I can say again that we didn't find any material evidence supporting uh, the Israeli claims about terror or militant activity or militant involvement of the organization. It's another problem that in Israel, everything is considered tether. The BDS, which is a, you can agree with it or not, but it's a non-violent movement. They consider it economic terror or diplomat terror. So now you have the Dabka terror or the summer camp terror. And, and of course, in that sense, the, the, the term terror is, use, is, 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 lo is losing its ori original meaning if you define everything as terror. Right, right. So Oren, are you, are you confident that there is not other evidence out there? I think that's the main problem with secret evidence, that there could always be something more. You know, we checked with multiple sources, both in Europe, both, both, in, the, both in Europe and in the Congress, 
And from what we know, there's no additional evidence and I will elaborate about it. But the problem with secret files that they can always be something else that was shown to a higher level as said in Aretz today by Israeli sources. And I think it's part of the Israeli policy saying for Europeans and Congress members, we show this and this, but maybe there's something else. We talked to very senior European sources this week, not in May, that said that even in recent briefing, nothing new was showed. And as I told you before, I think the fact that till now, despite the huge backlash Israel got from this declaration, nothing was presented in Israeli mainstream or right-wing media, nothing at all, photos, recording, a video, even something very vague and, and nothing was presented or leaked, not officially and not off record, means, in my opinion, that they literally have nothing. As we have also the raw material of the investigation, you could always find a new quote and that was not in the dossier and bring it and say, this is new. Uh, so it's a never-ending process. Uh, what we are calling, and I think also many international groups are calling to Israel to show their evidence if they have something. Also, I have to say that also what we exposed this week, so we brought it. It's not that Israel openly published it and said, this is what we have. So in my opinion, and from what I know, I don't think they have some rock solid evidence or something stronger to present because they would present it. I think they were not expecting such a backlash. I think, I think it's not that people there are not aware uh, of what they're doing. I think they're just used to operate in a system that doesn't question anything. I wrote it today in another open that they're used to the military court system, that it's enough to say somebody saw somebody throwing a stone. So it's enough to convict them. Uh, we're talking about a conviction rate of more than 99% of Palestinians in the military system in the West Bank. So, so of course, in that atmosphere, maybe they thought that the dossier they have is enough and it's rock solid. But then when they came to the Europeans, when they came to some of the Congress members, people told them in international standards or in any standards outside the military occupation system, this doesn't hold anything. You have to bring real evidence. You cannot say somebody who doesn't work even in the organization heard some, something from someone and this, this doesn't hold anything. I think it's not even holding it in court. If we would get this document as an article to our website, we would tell the reporter, this is interesting, but you have to bring real evidence. You cannot uh, base your claims on somebody who heard something from somebody or from somebody who say, this is well known. And this is our very se severe as allegations. As you said, this can cut funding. People can find themselves in jail. People can uh, lose their legitimacy of uh, years of years of work. And, and you cannot just claim it without having like real evidence. And from what we found, at least, there are not such evidence. Great, thank you. Lauren, what, what have been the reactions that you've received to the article? So first of all, we got loads of uh, reactions from people that were just very glad to read about the secret information and just 
to be exposed to it. And, and I think what the article did, and I hope it will have a lot of follow-ups and more reports coming up, is just to open the discussion to say the fact Israel declared on something as terror doesn't mean it really is. And let's talk about it. So we got comments uh, hoping that this will change the discourse around the organization and, and change the, maybe, of course, we hope it will cancel the decision, but at least challenge it. We got uh, reactions from uh, different uh, diplomats and sources saying it helped them to explain the story because as, as you heard yourself, it's a very complicated and very detailed story that it's very, it takes time to, to unpack and to understand because it has really different elements. Uh, and, and we hope that by bringing all the, all the pieces together, and we, uh, of course, invite people to read it in 972 in the Intercept, we, have, we hope we can put things in order and show the process how you take legitimate organization and make them into so-called terror organizations. And, of course, it also uh, created a debate and discussions on Twitter and on other platform, Reef Right Wing and other people defending the declaration. And as I said, I hope it will lead to more reports and more information uh, coming out. And hopefully will also force Israeli officials to go on record, not just to say off record, this is rock solid, but to go and make a press conference, maybe answer on questions. Maybe I'm hoping too much, but... Uh, to do something like that and really answer questions of the media and of diplomats that are also telling us that, that, that for two weeks they haven't got any proper answers. Great. So I, I want to ask you, this is my last question for you, um, because you just spoke a moment ago and you said you, you could elaborate about what, what is the importance of these organizations themselves. And I, I'm asking specifically because... Um, and Yuval Avraham's interview, which I think came out maybe the, the, the day of or the day after this designation, it was one of the very first, it's on, on 972, I'll put a link to it on the landing page for this, for this podcast. Sahar Francis, who is the director of Adamir, says they're going after us because we're so effective. And Mikhail Svard has said, you quoted him in your article, and also um, my colleague Laura Friedman just did a, a podcast with him this week where he, he said the same thing, where he says that these organizations are being targeted because they are seen as the organizations promoting two really important things, the, the investigation of war crimes at the International Criminal Court and also support for, for BDS, for a boycott of Israel. Um, and, they're, and they're effective in that. So tell us in, in your words about the importance, please, of these organizations. And you, you brought that up saying that Israelis don't even know the organizations at all, but you are a human rights defender and a journalist. So give us the context for how you understand the importance of these organizations. So, of course, in Israel, many people don't know them, but these are organizations that do long uh, research and advocacy and investigations and reporting about what's happening in the West Bank on a daily basis. We have El Haq, maybe the most the famous Palestinian NGO in the West Bank that does legal and advocacy work. Uh, they're part of the, the approach to the ICC. 
to the uh, to the international court and they do a lot of advocacy about human rights violations and el haq that is uh, also a legal ngo that does that defend prisoners and brings a lot of not only in courts but also bring a lot of reports about the situation inside jail and uh, and about administrative detention and torture we have dci uh, palestine defense uh, children international uh, the palestine branch that documents and bring testimony of children and underage youth that were arrested by the israeli occupation and and i think from what those organizations told us they say that israel is trying to silence us they don't they didn't succeed in so many ways so they're going for the easiest way just declaring us as terror organization and they say that trying to silence them is because of the work they do especially the work they do internationally the diplomacy work they do the work uh, the work they do uh, with bringing testimonies or information to the ICC and to the international community and I have to say I think that Benny Gantz the defense minister when he signed this declarations I don't think he even noticed who they are exactly are because from what we understand the ministry of defense signs maybe 40 or 50 or 60 kind of declarations like that every year so it could be about a small uh, student union that is outlawed or some women committee so I, i i couldn't say but i could imagine they're just automatically signing this these declarations and i don't think they were expecting such a backlash on on this issue And your reporting has certainly um, ra- ratcheted up what the backlash is. Your, your reporting and this, this reporting that, um, that, that you and Yuval and Marone put out today has, has uh, changed, changed the dynamics here. So thank you for it. And thank you so much, Oren, for taking your time, sharing your time and your analysis with us today. And I want to thank all of our listeners for tuning in. Please make sure to check out our website, www.fmep.org. Make sure that you're subscribed to this podcast so you stay up to date. You can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Spotify. You can also watch these podcasts on YouTube. And with that, I am Sarah Ann Minkin, signing off for now. Thank you, Oren. Thank you, everyone. Thank you so much for having me. Take good care. Bye-bye.